We're on to uh, Exodus chapter 2. Um, we touched a little bit on it uh, last week. Uh, the subject matter is uh, today is a birth of a leader. And God's timescales are different from ours. So I think once as usual, we'll just read the first uh, 10 verses. And I'd like to read a few verses in Acts chapter 7 as well. So Exodus chapter 2. <coughs> Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the banks of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter went to her, said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I shall give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, and said, Because I drew him out of the water. <coughs> and then just over to Acts chapter 7, <coughs> verse 20. Now this is the <coughs> account of uh, Stephen um, when he was speaking um, to the high priest and giving an account of instances that happened in the Old Testament, he refers to this. And so he cut in at verse 20 in the middle of his, his, his sermon. And it was at this time that Moses was born and he was lovely in the sight of God and he was nurtured three months in his father's home. And after he had been exposed, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. And Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. Again, <coughs> this is uh, one of these stories that be well known because you're taught, or sure, all of us have been taught at Sunday school the story of the birth of Moses. Um, we're looking primarily at the choice of God here in his dealings with Moses and the people of Israel. We mentioned last week um, that God's ways are not our ways. And uh, when you sometimes read, particularly in Old Testament uh, dealings of God had with the people of Israel, you sometimes left scratching your head as to why he did it the way he did. Why did he wait so long? 
why did he do it that way? Does it not, <laughs> does it not seem obvious to our human minds that, that something could have been done differently? And uh, when we were thinking about the situation of Israel in Egypt, as how did they get there? Why did it all seem to go wrong? Why did they end up being enslaved? And why did God take so long uh, to come and actively get involved in dealing with Israel? I think, as I said last week, and I start off by saying the same thing, is that God's mind is way advanced, way in advance of ours. And what seems causing us to scratch our heads is just highlighting the great need to trust him. He knows best. So if God decides to take 400 years before he acts, then that's the best way to do it because it's God that's doing it. And there isn't enough a lot of point in us saying, well, why didn't he do it in 20 years <laughs> or something less? Because that would have cut down the suffering. God's ways are perfect. There was undoubtedly a need. I, even in all these years later when we read the scriptures and we see God's hand, that he was pointing to something that he wanted us to channel our minds in. And that was the need for the children of Israel to endure suffering for the time that God decreed. It was necessary for the children of Israel to grow, to be robust, to be, uh, become a nation that had to be freed. Because it's all pointing to Christ. And this is what we need to do time and time again when we're reading the Old Testament scriptures, is to see Christ in it. These are, we often talk about shadows. These are shadows that God is wanting, wanting the people of Israel initially, but wanting us to see as well is the hand of God in dealing with the people that he's chosen, the people that he loves, and the people he's got a purpose for. And so, when you look at it, God is preparing the scene perfectly. And although there's suffering, and although there's great distress, and then when you read about the Pharaoh's uh, decree about killing the firstborn males, you think, how does God allow that? Because God's purposes are true. You have to accept the sovereignty of God in these things. And we talked about the two uh, midwives prepared by God in order to overcome the difficulties. And then we lead into Moses. Moses is then born. He comes from the tribe of Levi. Now, I've looked into, you know, you look into the Levi. Why Levi? Levi was cursed by his father, Jacob. You remember that uh, Simeon and Levi, they were regarded as uh, men of the sword. Um, and Jacob, when he was going through his sons and <coughs> giving them um, a blessing or <coughs> telling them their, their future, when it came to Levi, 
he cursed Levi and he said that because of what Levi and Simeon had done when they had uh, dishonoured Jacob in their handling of the debacle about their sister, which you read about in Genesis 41, um, Jacob said to them that you are going to be scattered amongst the people of Israel. And Levi, when you read about it later, Levi was the tribe that became the priestly tribe. But they also were a tribe who was not a tribe because they were not allocated any land. They were allocated certain cities. Uh, but when it came to going into the promised land, they weren't allocated a place. And they would be scattered amongst the people of Israel. And of course, this is well before it became known that they were going to be of the, um, the priestly tribe. So question really is, you think, well, why did God choose uh, a Levite couple <coughs> or from the tribe of Levi um, for Moses to become from? And I suppose my answer to that is I don't really know. Um, God always has purposes. And maybe one possible answer to it would be that the, the leader that God was going to choose was coming out of somebody who was going to be scattered amongst the nations. So it, it wasn't uh, of a tribe where he would maybe be, there would be self-centered interest, that they was coming from a tribe that would be scattered amongst them all, so therefore he would be leading them all as a group. That one thought I had. It's a bit difficult to think of anything other than, of course, Aaron, who was Moses' brother, was uh, the high priest, uh, who came, obviously, the Levitical priesthood started through Aaron. And of course, it was the, Aaron, uh, the, the Levite group at, the, at Sinai who were the one that stood up uh, to support Moses uh, in his battle against the uh, idolatry that was going on when he was up on Mount Sinai. So that's a possible suggestion. Uh, <coughs> God looked down and when Moses was born, it says that God looked on him and he was beautiful. Um, a strange thing that, that God looked down and he saw Moses and Moses was beautiful. I don't believe that that was an outward appearance. I don't. Um, I suppose any mother or, or father would look at a, a, a newborn baby and they would say, "Well, the baby's beautiful," and everybody else would think <coughs> differently. <laughs> uh, but when it's God that looks down, and he saw he saw something different. Of course, when you're dealing with God. God obviously sees things that are different. And he's not looking at the outward appearance that God is recognizing in Moses. He saw what is referred to in Acts as he was lovely in the sight of God. Is that God saw through the outward appearance and saw that this was the man he had chosen. And that he had the attributes, even at a very early age, um, of somebody who had 
God had his hand on. I think it's as interesting, you know, when you think that at the end of every day of creation, you read that God saw that it was good. It's the same word that's used. That God looked on Moses and saw that he was good. Um, at the end of the creation, it says that God saw it was good. Because it's of God. And that's why it was good. When it's creation, you can think, well, because God made it, God created everything in that day. It was good because it was perfect. It was done by the hand of God. And the same thing uh, seems to be insinuated here that in Moses, God saw that he was good because God had planned it all. God had instigated this. And that when this child was born, God's hand was on him. And so that was good that he out of this um, coming together of the two Levite parents, there was going to come somebody that God would use to his glory. It's a little bit, I suppose, with the birth of Christ, that um, there was a worshipping of Christ because there was a recognition uh, by the um, angels and by the shepherds and later by the wise men that this child was different and that the hand of God and of course with Christ he was God and the recognition of that that he'd come for a purpose so in a lesser sense here with Moses there is the sense that right at the very beginning uh, God had a plan for Moses now I think you know what you you read into that is um, the importance of appreciating that God sees everything and that God raises up leaders and there's a need for that leader to respond to the call of God each one of us here is uh, called for a purpose maybe not all to be leaders but we're all called because God has called us and he knows from the beginning that we are going to be in Christ. That we are going to have eternal life. And he calls us for a purpose. And of course, it's been the big picture that's being painted here of the people of Israel in Egypt, that they were being called out of their slavery. And of course, it's the picture is us being called out of our bondage and sin. You're called out, but you're called out for a purpose. Our leader is Christ. Again, Moses is a shadow of Christ. He's going to be used by God to lead the people out of their slavery. And it's going to cost. And they need to understand the suffering. As we talked about last week, they needed to understand their suffering to know what they're being saved from and to appreciate where they're going and to understand the need for leadership and Moses here is being set up for this in verses uh, <coughs> 3 and 4 you get the, the picture here that after 3 months 
that uh, says that when Moses' mother could hide him no longer, she put him in a wicker basket, covered it with tar and pitch, and put the child in the reeds on the bank. I was thinking in my prayer this morning about Noah, and that's where it was coming from, is that you get the picture of Noah building the ark. Uh, uh, this is a, a mini ark, if you like, only for enough room for one child. But it's um, <coughs> covered in pitch. Make it waterproof, maybe a little bit soundproof. Uh, and the picture of Moses' mother and maybe Miriam's sister taking the child and putting the child in a place of danger, putting it outside, um, putting him in a place where they were waiting to see what would happen, what would be accomplished. It's almost as if, again, they were godly people. And whilst they knew they should have killed their firstborn, or the, the Moses. A little bit interesting to think that Aaron, I think, was three years older than Moses. <laughs> How come he escaped as well? <clears throat> Don't really know. Um, Miriam was obviously significantly uh, older than Moses. But godly parents who are in touch with God were prepared to put Moses in the, the, the little wicker basket, cover it, uh, lined with tar so that it would not sink, put it into the bulrushes and then sit back and wait. What were they waiting for? What were they looking for? What were they waiting for? They're waiting for the hand of God. Because I think my interpretation of this is that they were godly people. They expected God to do something. And even if it had been that the child died, then I get the feeling that they were trusting him and whatever the outcome. And so Miriam was stationed to look and to watch and to wait on the hand of God because I guess they knew, they appreciated that God's hand was on this child. So they're waiting with an expectancy. What do we learn from that? Is that should there not be an expectancy in our lives, not just for our children, for ourselves, is that is God not going to use us in some way? He's called us for a purpose. And sometimes we are exposed. You're exposed in this world because we are subjected to the power of Satan in this world. And you're put in, a, in an ark. We are covered by Christ. We are protected. That doesn't mean to say thing, nasty things are not going to happen to us. But we are in Christ and God's eye is on us. Should there not be a level of expectancy that uh, we pray to God that he'll use us. And when it comes to our children, exactly the same, maybe with a more fervor, that God has given us children. He's given us them as a blessing, but his hand's on them. And as they accept Christ as their saviour, as they decide to go on in the disciple pathway, 
then is there not also an expectancy that we watch for God's hand to be on them and see where he's going to use them and the gifts. We're going to go on and talk about it later, about the gifts that Moses had and how God enhanced these gifts by utilising him and putting him into a place where he could be educated to be a leader. And later on, Moses was also educated to be a shepherd. And then he was ready to lead. And the things like that, that when, if God's calling us to leadership or he's calling us to be teachers, he doesn't just plonk you straight into it. There's, you look for the hand of God as how he's using you in your interaction with other brethren and sisters, in your study of the word of God as he feeds and you grow, you go into the purposes of God. You grow into it. You see the hand of God and his purposes that will be filled in his way and in his time. We get impatient sometimes, you know, we want things to happen now. We see things around us and it seems in the human terms, this has to happen and it should happen now. It's obvious. <clears throat> so why is it when we pray, God doesn't answer us immediately? Uh, that's because God knows best. And that's what we keep coming back to again and again. And God's dealings with the people of Israel is that he knows best and he's going to do something about it he will his will will be fulfilled <clears throat> when we go into this story about pharaoh's daughter um saying to miriam uh go and find um a maid for this uh, child it it does make me smile this story it always still makes me smile you know to think of it's all it's always as if God's got a sense of humour here, that this purposes in God was there with Miriam running up and saying, I know just a person that can look after this baby, and not telling her it's his baby's mother. Uh, it's lovely. But again, the purposes of God are obvious here. Not just the fact that it reunites the mother and the child together, but the importance of the influence of the mother at that stage in Moses' life. What we learn later on about Moses is that he knew where he'd come from. He knew his roots and he was taught the promises of God. Who taught him? Well, his mother did. It's the influences of his mother during that early time before he was handed over to Pharaoh's daughter because that was to take into the, the next stage in his education. But the first stage was of absolute importance, that she taught him where he'd come from. She taught him the promises that were given to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And he was steeped in that early on. And so he knew he belonged to the people of God. So. Again, the teaching there for not just mothers and fathers, but for all of us in the importance that's going on right now in teaching uh, in the Sunday school, uh, the parental influence of 
ensuring that your children are brought up in a godly home where the Bible is opened and spoken about as they grow up in the early years has got, we know a lot of us from our own experience, the great importance of learning that early on. Because it's when your mind is most active, most receptive, that that's when you're established. And when you're tested later on, as you undoubtedly will be, that's what holds fast. I think the... Uh, in my Bible, in Acts chapter 7, <clears throat> talking about Stephen's um, discourse on this, on verse 21, it talks about that Moses, after he had been exposed, Pharaoh's daughter took him away. Uh, in the margin, um, in my Bible, it talks about put out to die. Interesting, isn't that? Uh, Moses was put out to die he was exposed but Miriam was watching I think um, that is a lovely picture I think of the trust uh, I touched on it a little bit earlier uh, about uh, Jochebed's Moses mother just uh, looking and <coughs> indicating that we're going to put him out there but I'm not going to kill him I'll expose him to the will of God. And I think that's, you know, it's a lovely picture that I think that is something that we should do with our own children when we do with each other, is that there are times when you are exposed, you are vulnerable, and that is when you wait on the hand of God in your life. We talk about, you know, difficulties that occur, times when you're challenged, when you're... Um, when Satan seems to be attacking, it's a time of exposure. But it's exposure to God as well. And to wait on God. You know, the scripture we often refer to, be still and know that I am God, is to trust him. As, it, when you expo as Moses was exposed, he's waiting there, he's crying, he's hungry, he maybe in the sun, and there's a a fear that he might get swept off down the river and end up in this, this Mediterranean Sea or if some alligator, crocodile could, animal could attack. He's exposed. But the trust in God there is that he was in no danger because God had a purpose for him. So just really just to... In, in, just to finish this section, I, uh, all I really want to just finish up with is just to talk about that trust. I think that's the main, the main theme of this section, that although it's, a, it's the birth of a leader, it's God's timescale. It's all about God. That, uh, in that one, one man, that little boy, the little baby, God's hands, God sees that he is beautiful. God sees that he is good, God's hands on him, and God's going to use him. And there will be difficulties along the way. But first of all, he sets up the mother's training. He, he sets up the mother's teaching and the learning from that. And then secondly, he's educated. 
he's taken by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, it seems like privilege. It is privilege. He's taken out of uh, a child of slavery and he's taken by Pharaoh's daughter, um, the princess of Egypt, and he's going to be given an education that God's going to use for his glory too. And uh, so you see the hand of God in that. And the purposes of God are paramount in it all. And here in this, as we wait in God, as we learn from Moses, as we trust him, and we can see how God used Moses, okay, admittedly an extreme case, uh, an ultimate leader, a great man, Maybe we don't are going to achieve anything like that, but it's still the same hand that's on us. It's still the same God who, has, who called Moses that's calling us. He has a purpose for us. And we as his people, um, he wants us to serve him. And therefore, will he not equip us to do what he's asked us to do? As he equipped Moses, extreme case maybe Moses had a, a, a tremendous responsibility that was being given to him but God fulfilled everything that he needed and in many times we will, as we will read God had to keep intervening keep reminding him keep showing him this is my, I am with you I am with you what are you worried about I am with you I've prepared you get on with it we can each always make excuses can't we that we are not able to take on responsibility because we think there are others that are better well that's nothing wrong with that really <laughs> but what we need to do is be before god about it and saying well if god's calling me then i'll do it and they can go in with fear and trepidation into whatever avenue of service that god's calling us but we need to trust him that he'll give us the equipment and he'll give us the backup. And most importantly, he will be with us as we go into that service. Therefore, we go in with a confidence. Still maybe thinking others could do it better. <laughs> that's humility, if it's genuine, that, that's good. But be looking to God to use us to his glory. Shall we pray?